up, guys? This is Alex Espinosa with the Ricky Henderson Podcast. Welcome to our first episode of 2022. I got to start off with a little disclaimer because we had a bunch of uh, technical difficulties uh, with Steve Vucinus for this episode. Vuce has been a longtime A's equipment manager for the past 28 years, been part of the organization for the past 54 years since uh, Joe DiMaggio vouched for him. Uh, 1968 when he got the job and just moved his way up the ranks. So I hope you guys appreciate this one, but there's some awkward pauses and not a, a, a perfect ending to this one. But yeah, all right. Without any further ado, here's Vuce. Okay, and all right. Welcome back for our first podcast episode of 2022. We have a legend, Steve Vucinich, for episode 46 of the Ricky Henderson of Podcast, the greatest of all podcasts. Vuce, how's it going, man? Thank you so much. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. Sorry we had to probably get going, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it'll be all worth it. You know, the the, uh, the lockout was nerve-wracking for a lot of baseball fans. What was it like for you, man, just kind of waiting to see what that news was like and seeing if baseball would come back, especially after, you know, n- n- you know, going into this, it was, it was your last spring training. So, Well, you know what? Uh, you sit on the edge of your seat hoping that something will happen. You get these false hopes. Uh, there were so many uh, reporters that were following it on a day-to-day basis. Each one had a connection maybe to the Players Association, to a certain owner, and you never know what was happening if it was telling the truth. I've been through every labor store, uh, stoppage that they have had yeah. all the way back to spring training of 69, which really wasn't a strike, but they asked some players not to sign their contracts just to show unity for the Players Association, which was in their infancy at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been through it all. Each one, you just sit on the edge of the seat. Can it get done? Can it get done? I remember in 1976 down here in Mesa at the old park, we just sat there. There were four of us and we played poker every day. Listen to the all news station. There was no ESPN or no <laughs> TV then. You just listen to the local AM news station every half hour. They'd have sports and we'd hope that it would come back. Did this kind of the same thing here, but now you've got MLB.com, you've got MLB TV, MLB radio, so you can stay on top of it. But you never knew who to believe. Early, our truck came down first week of February, and uh, some other clubs weren't allowed to set up. So as soon as it ended, players were walking in and we were ready. And um, it's kind of, I don't want to ramble on, but my first three years in the home clubhouse, 94, 5, 6, were not normal either. 94, we had to strike in a postponement of the World Series. 95, we had to replacement players, two spring trainings. And in 1996, we opened a season in Vegas yeah. because we were remodeling the Coliseum for the Raiders. So my la- first three years in the home clubhouse mirror my last three, which we had COVID two years and then a this year. So I said, well, the 22 in between are pretty good. <laughs> so are you going to make the trip to Philadelphia when you saw the schedule come out? Were you kind of happy? Like, hey, that's kind of historic. There, There's some cool ties there, you know? You know what? Absolutely. And, and I talked to one of my best friends, executive vice president, and it would probably would have gone over and they would have done something more if it wasn't the opening weekend. And he apologized to me, which is no sweat off my back. I've still got a picture of me trying to pull over, push over the Connie Mack statue, which I should <laughs> put on Twitter. But, uh, I, 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 I can't I'm disappointed, but I don't mind not going there because I would have had to, I don't, wouldn't want to make that whole trip because from the three in Philly, they go to four in Tampa and three in Toronto. It's a tough trip. It's a tough travel trip. Um, but uh, I would have just come back here. So, I'll be watching on TV. Okay, right on. Well, do you know the Mac family? I'm curious. Do you know like any of his, you know, grandchildren or anything like that? Have you ever got to know that family uh, at all? Ah, oh. yeah. never met, and I've never met any of them. We were 
they honored me the last time we were back there, probably about four or five years ago mm-hmm. on the field and, and made notice, but uh, I have not met any of them. And I don't know who's around or yeah, what their yeah. last name, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there, I- is a, there is a Philadelphia Athletics Historical Society, and I don't know if anybody that's a member of that have ever seen the Philadelphia A's play because they left there in 54 but or 55, but – they had been in touch with me and they'd been out to Oakland and they're the ones that actually said I did break Connie Mack's record. So I figured if they're going to say it, it must be true. <laughs> well, I see you still got all the bins behind you. And earlier today, you said you were working on shipments. Are you still kind of working a little bit, uh, helping out? This job has taken on so much the last 25 years I mean, with the internet and the different uh, sponsors and uh, suppliers that we have. So it's tough for one person to do the whole job. So we've kind of split it up and I've been helping uh, the main guy, Matt Weiss, quite a bit as far as ordering. I, I just got in the habit of doing everything myself and should have delegated more over the years, but I didn't. And so all of a sudden they came on board, the three guys who replaced me, who've already been there and are well acquainted with the job, just not the intricacies that it takes to do it. So yeah, I'm involved. I'm uh, I'm sitting there with them. I'm, I'll pass out laundry. If there's laundry to be passed out, whatever has to be done. So do you think you're still going to be kind of working this season a little bit? Like, are you really ever going to fully retire? Yeah. <laughs> when are you actually going to, you know, hang them up, you know? Well, I, I don't plan on working. I plan on helping Dietra with the alumni. We've got a couple of events scheduled this year. Uh, cool. I'll be up for those. The good thing is, being there all 54 years, if there's some sort of reunion, I'll always be invited. So I'm <laughs> happy to be a part of that. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I got a question to ask you as the equipment manager for, um, for, for spring training players, whenever they come out with like a 72 or like an 84 or something like that, is that your decision? Is that the skips decision? It's like I, the, the football number thing in, in spring training, who, who, who makes the call on that? <laughs> Solely mine. Uh, I mean, this year with input from Matt Wise, but yeah, I mean, you're bringing that many guys to camp. You're bringing extra instructors, extra coaches. So some numbers are going to get in the seventies and the eighties, but that's yeah. very common in baseball more so yeah. with clubs that have more numbers retired than we like the Yankees that probably have 12, 13 numbers retired. They can't use and They're probably in the nineties daily where we're only <laughs> in the nineties for players that come up to back up our games from the minor leagues. So, so I always wonder if that was like a list thing or that's like a psychological thing. You're like, Hey, you're still 72. You're not, you're not 12 yet. You're not 13 yet. You know, uh, is that, is that part of the deal too? You kind of got to earn that number. Uh, I won't say earn it, but, but, you know, you, you afford uh, respect to a veteran and even if this number is not available and he doesn't work out a deal with whoever's wearing it, or I, I, that player maybe doesn't have enough time and I can reassign it. That happens. But every once in a while you go late in spring, you've got no numbers available and you sign somebody or even anybody that was in the seventies, we have gone to them and say, Hey, what number would you wear during the season? Are you, um, but but I had a, I heard in a recent interview you said Jason Giambi was probably your favorite player uh, to come through the clubhouse or I I think something to to that effect. Uh, um, in, was that like the wildest era in the clubhouse? Maybe it was like two thousand the early two thousands. I mean I'm, I know you've seen a bunch of different eras, but was that like kind of the wildest party fret boy kind of vibe or you know? <laughs> way, way overblown in Moneyball. Let me tell you that <laughs> they, they had a lot of fun. They had the race cars, and then they had airplanes a few years later, and they partied a little bit. But uh, the story of Moneyball about 
Jeremy Giambi dancing on a table after loss was so false. Nobody's ever, ever done that. Yeah, yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it was a wild and crazy bunch. Um, mm-hmm. Jason Giambi is one of my top five of all time favorite players that have been in Oakland. Who were the who are some other guys who really stuck uh, out who come through yeah, that? Uh, Catfish Hunter, he's he's my number one guy. Yeah, um, Kenny Holzman's up there. Um, AJ Hinch. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Believe it or not, even like John Mabry, who was only with us for a part of one year, but I got to learn and know him and respect him so much. Mm-hmm. And guys that really respect the game are, are a big part of that. Sal Bando is another one. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to narrow it down to just a few, but those are. Yeah. Oh man, I lost you. Okay. I got you again. Um, and, uh, it, and you mentioned Moneyball. Um, what was it like to see yourself portrayed in Moneyball? Was that kind of funny? It is like, that's definitely you in there, you know? <laughs> well, uh, because of the cigar, um, <laughs> yeah. they hired an actor actually before they'd started uh, shooting Brad Pitt. Somebody told Brad that I am a member of Screen Actors Guild, which I have been since 1981. And he asked me if I'd like to come back, come down and play myself. However, the shooting in the clubhouse scenes where I would have been shot was always done down at the Hollywood set, which was being shot when the team was home. Uh, All the Coliseum shots uh, were done while we were on the road. So we couldn't work it out. And I don't know how well I would have done anyway, but but it's kind of funny to see a shorter, fatter guy portrayed as you. But, <laughs> but at least at the end of the film, in real game footage, you can see me in the dugout. It's the only time all year I wore a yellow shirt. Don't ask me why, just a coincidence. And you can see me jumping up and down and coming out on a field in real footage. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't. So you have, uh, what did you get the Screen Actors Guild for? Were you, I saw you were yeah. in a commercial back in the day, yeah. but it, I mean. What happened? What happened when the Haas family bought the club and they wanted to do this whole advertising campaign, and they centered around Billy Martin. Billy said, "Let's get my, let's get some of the real people in there." And so, when you do, when you're doing a union shot like that, I think you're allowed one or two commercials without joining the Screen Actors Guild. And uh, when we did more than two, we had to join. And the scary thing was a bunch of us, I mean, we didn't make any money at the time, couldn't afford, couldn't afford the $700 uh, initiation fee. So the ad agency, Ogilvy and Mather, actually paid for it for us. And so I've been a dues-paying member ever since. Uh, once in a while, I get residuals from an old commercial or something. <laughs> That's, so that's wild. It's not. It's not like I took drama in college or anything. That's pretty hilarious, man. I had no idea, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and you grew up in Alameda, right? Um, Oakland. Is that Oakland? Oh, okay. Okay. I was born in Alameda, and then I went to high school in Alameda at St. Joe's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I went to St. Philip Neri. I would have went to St. Joe's, but then I, I moved to Moraga eventually. But uh, but uh, what was it like? Um, so you you were here before the A's were here. I mean, what was it like when the when the Bay Area got the A's in the first place? Well, here's the deal. You think about all the time I'm with the A's. To to ever dream about it, Oakland even having a team when I was a kid, and then the team moves out to uh, Oakland from Kansas City when I'm 15, and and to even think about getting a job and keeping it that long. But uh, I was an old AFL Oakland Raider fan, and we were always the ugly stepsister to San Francisco. The first three years, I think the the Raiders had to play in Keysar and Candlestick before they built the 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 temporary yes. stadium. Well, no, Frank Hill Field in downtown Oakland, right at the Laney College. That's where they played until they built the Coliseum. So oh, okay. it, it was a feather in the Oakland and East Bay's hat to 
be able to build a brand new stadium better than Candlestick that would host the Raiders in a newly transferred A's from Kansas City. And like I said, to even think about those that thing happening, a stadium like that in Oakland and having major league teams and then be able to work for it in its inception. Uh, I can't say it's a dream come true because you didn't even dream about something like that. <laughs> did, did you get to know Al Davis pretty well over the years or no? No, I, I, I really didn't. I, when I was running a visiting clubhouse, Don McMahon, an old uh, giant uh, pitcher and pitching coach who was friends with Al Davis, and Don did scouting for Al Davis. So Al would some Saturday afternoons come down to meet him after the game. And then I would have five minutes with him and tell him about my favorite Raider games at Frank Field and so forth. And he appreciated me knowing the history of the Oakland Raiders. That's great, man. Um, and I, I've seen some really cool photos of uh, the 70s parades in downtown Oakland for the A's, like right near, you know, Telegraph from Broadway, that little, you know, triangle. Looked really great. I mean, what what were those what were those parades like? What was it like? I mean, the Raiders were really good at that time. the The Warriors were on the way up. But what was that time like in Oakland? To that, it must have been so fun, you know. No, it was kind of a we call it a championship city. There was a there was a soccer team called the Oakland Stompers that won whatever league they were in in sixty eight, sixty nine, somewhere in there. And then we went in seventy two, three, four. The parade, the first one, 72, they, they estimated four to 500,000 people on the streets of Oakland. Wow. Yeah. And it was something to behold. We had great weather. Everybody was in antique cars, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then the Raiders won after the 76 season. The Warriors won after the 75 or into the 75 season. So you had five straight years of, of championships coming to Oakland, whether it be baseball, basketball, or football. That's awesome, yeah. And uh, did you ever get close to fired by Charlie O'Finley? I know he, he fired a lot of people. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> you want to know the truth? I think more people quit than got fired by Charlie. <laughs> that's but, uh, but that's not to say they wouldn't have got fired if they didn't quit. But, uh, no, he, uh, he was actually pretty good to me, except monetarily. But uh, he, uh, he, he was fair with me. Uh, a couple of times he got mad at me on the phone, but it never came close to quitting or or getting fired okay right on and uh and my my favorite um probably character within you know the history of the a's is bill king he's somebody i always looked up to uh i mean how would you just describe him and just how unique he was of an individual and his ties to the raiders and the warriors as well were so strong you know you know it's so funny i mean i mean truly everybody's described him as a renaissance man as he was fluent in russian he loved russian history he loved German food. He loved all food. Um, and, and he was quite a character. When the Giants first moved to San Francisco, uh, Lon Simmons and Russ Hodges. And uh, his last game was the playoff game, I think, against the Dodgers in 62 before the Giants took on the Yankees as a, in the World Series. And then, of course, he's so well known for being such a great, great basketball broadcaster. And I, I didn't know anything about him in football until all of a sudden the Raiders moved from uh, Frank Hill Field into the Coliseum in 1966, and Bill was hired. And, and you think, God, this man has been great in each sport. Mm-hmm. And when we hired him in '81, it was recommended to uh, our president at the time, Roy Eisenhart, from the Haas family. When they took over, he said, "Well, get the two most popular broadcasters you can get because that's a conduit to the fans." So he hired Lon Simmons, who had been let go by Giants at KSFO when the team moved to KMBR. 
and brought in Bill King. And they were both doing football at the time, so they needed a third broadcaster, and that was the evolution of Wayne Hagen. But uh, to, to meet yeah. Bill and meet Lon, I mean, these are voices I grew up with, with transistor radio underneath my pillow, listening to Warriors or, or Giants games, and to be around them on a daily basis meant more to me than being around a Hall of Fame uh, baseball player. It really did. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, uh, and also, I always thought it was interesting how um, – so the visiting locker room for baseball teams is also the visiting locker room for football teams that's in there. It's always wild. And I was wondering, like, was there ever a locker that um, maybe like Derek Jeter used the same locker as John Elway or, or well, you know? Truth, truth of the matter is, before the Raiders left for L.A., the visiting baseball locker room, which is where it is now, was uh-huh. the Raiders locker room. Oh, okay. So, like, Kenny Stabler used the same locker as uh, Roger Clemens. I remember those two pairing up. That's pretty uh, cool. Because I would yeah. keep some of the same names up there. Uh, so the other baseball players say, see who dresses in that locker. And uh, the visiting locker room for football is part of where the A's tra- uh, locker room, not so much a locker room was until two years ago, but that area where there's some offices and a manager's room. And it was a little dinky room. So when the Raiders came back, they built in 95, they built the, the locker room, which we are currently using as our home locker room. Mm-hmm. And the visitors went back to the uh, old Raider locker room, which is also visiting baseball. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool, though. Clemens and Stabler. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. Um, so is your office, are you upstairs now in that big Raiders locker room? Or are you still down in the old, I mean, w- was that part of, was that part of your decision? Maybe like, hey, maybe this is, you know, maybe, you know, it's time to, to, to stop doing this it's like you're separated from them or something or no you know what i had uh i had uh, a great run i had actually a locker a, uh, an office upstairs in a radio locker room mm-hmm. and i still kept the one downstairs because i had to be both places uh i don't think this hurried it up but it was tireless i'm going up and down those <laughs> stairs 20 30 times a day and i, I admire the, the kids who work for me that do the laundry and have to carry that up and down the stairs yeah. but uh uh I've got, have I had one knee replacement? I might be tracking for another, but that has nothing to do with my decision. Uh, it's just time to move on. Okay, it. right. Huh? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, your office down there is like a, might as well be a museum. That place is, is amazing, man. And, cool. um, and I mean, how cool is it to get all these mementos? I saw you got a belt buckle, you got like a piece of Fenway last year. Um, how, how, I mean, yeah, how cool is it just to get all these, you got a silver slugger, you got a gold glove. I mean, I mean, is it nice to be um, kind of recognized for all this? All, all the time the thousands and tens of hundreds of thousands of hours you put in absolutely it's it's it was overwhelming it really was uh, people call it vusa palooza <laughs> as we moved on to the season and different clubs that if, i mean they would honor me on the scoreboard have me stand out by the dugout i got a lot of nice standing ovations throughout baseball and it's funny when we go back to that philadelphia one of about four years ago mm. It was written in a paper that I was the only, I had to be the only opposing person wearing the opposing team's uniform or colors that didn't get booed in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, what, what's this spring like been for you? I know I've interviewed a lot of fans. It's been shocking for them. Uh, I know you've seen a lot of these these um, turnover off seasons before. What is it like for you? Because I know you're probably the biggest A's fan out there, you know? I tell everybody, like, Lasorda bleeds blue, I bleed green. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's tough to see what's going on. 
Uh, you kind of understand the business aspect too. It's not just a game anymore. It's it's a business. And uh, we've been through the rebuilds before, so yep. uh, this one I won't be directly involved after this after this next week. But I'll be watching it daily. And um, I think from the trades that we've made, we've got some pretty good prospects. Mm-hmm. I've always said prospects are suspects until they make it. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the, some of the scouts and organizations that I talked to said we did a pretty good haul for the guys for. Chapman, Bassett, and Olson. So uh-huh. that can only help us in the future. Yeah, and uh, uh, do you feel like Marcotte is just a natural continuation of Bob Melvin's? Just kind of keep that continuity, uh, kind of keep the same vibe around the franchise that's had the past decade? Absolutely. You know, uh, Cotts played here, and he, he kept his relationships with all of us, and that helps that he understands the green and gold mentality. Um and in one of his meetings uh, during the spring, he said uh, he just talked about how so many of the same people stay here because we're like family and we know the A's way. And we and, and, and it was really about gaining respect for from the new players. And I think uh, Mark Cossé is going to do real well as a manager. Yeah. And then you must have been smiling once you saw the news about Jed and Stephen Vaux coming back. Right. I mean, that just seems like so natural. It's like a great natural fit. Right. Yeah, judges keeps coming back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was great to bring Voter back, and uh, we're all happy about it. He's a natural-born yeah. leader, and people respect him. And sometimes you need some more of those kind of guys in the clubhouse. Yeah, and um, and now that Chapman's gone, who's the ringleader? Because I know before, like he was kind of doing the whole basketball, you know, referee thing and all that stuff. And who, who would you yeah, say? I don't know. You know, that's yeah. something that develops naturally during a regular season. You don't have room for those kind of things down here in spring training. Yeah. And with us finally being able to put different kind of furniture in the clubhouse after the COVID thing, I don't know if we've got room for the basketball fit in that, but uh, <laughs> some leader, will, some leader will evolve it, whether it be uh, Pinder or maybe vote or somebody like that. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, last one. So what are your plans for the summer? I, I, I've read that you're going to take a cruise to Alaska. Is that right? I mean, I, but I mean, you're still going to go to the ballpark a bunch. Right? Yeah, I've got, uh, Oh, yeah, because I'm keeping my place in the Bay Area, um, and I'll be back and forth. Like I said, I've got the different reunions, the 02 reunion, the 72 reunion. I've got the Hall of Fame induction in August. All right. Like I said, it has some technical difficulties. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much again to Vuce for his time. Uh, 54 years, longest tenured employee in franchise history. Um, yeah, just everything he's done for every player who's ever been through that clubhouse in Oakland history. It's pretty wild. So thanks again to Vuce. And, yeah, he'll be in Alaska uh, chilling. I, I also heard he, he wants to knock off South Dakota and Maine off of his uh, 50 states list. So that's what's coming up next for Vuce. Congrats to him. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RickyBlog. Check out the website at RickyBlog.com. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, all right, stay tuned. Season starts on Friday. Um, got a lot to learn this year. <laughs> Don't really know anybody on the team. So, all right, thanks a lot, guys.